Yeah, because the problem is uh, they romanticized the masters of martial arts before, mm, right. and they thought that um, like like in, like in art, no, it's similar to art. Eh? Uh, we've all heard of the starving artist, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, starving mm-hmm. artist. Well, in martial arts, it's the starving martial artist. Yep. We we like to romanticize that, but it's not sustainable. Welcome everyone to episode 14 of Pinoy Martial Arts Mastermind. Uh, today we have uh, Dr. Sixto Carlos and uh, Professor Franco Rolioda and myself, Dax Cordero. And today we are going to tackle the subject of making money in martial arts. No? Uh, so how to make or the, that, that idea of, of making martial arts a business. No? So... Uh, Dr. Sixto, views How, what, what are your views on that? Uh, making money in martial arts. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, what do you think? Okay, let me give you a bit of a story. When I started in martial arts, uh, I thought it was bad. I thought it was evil. But now, no. It's a good thing to make in martial arts. But like anything, if you make money from this, you should be giving... You should give uh, quality instruction. Quality instruction. Now, okay. You go, Franco. You, Franco. What, what do you think? What do you think? Is it good? Is it bad? Or do you Definitely good. Definitely good. You have to put into context that what you're providing is not only a service. You're providing, you're, you're providing added value to your students' quality of life. For the simple reason that you're giving them added knowledge, you're, especially when it comes to martial arts, that's a life skill. This is something that they're going to carry for the rest of their lives. This is an, also another skill that they could pass on to their future generations. So I'm very, very sure, 100%, that everybody who learns martial arts and learns them from very credible uh, instructors or coaches, um, I mean, you cannot put value. You cannot really quantify in terms of monetary. I mean, in terms of anything monetary, the value and the benefits of learning martial arts towards an, an individual. Right. Uh, personally, I, I I I agree with you. Uh, I think that there's. I think making money from martial arts, as long as you are are credible, as long as you are honest about your abilities, is is. Nothing to apologize for. Um, I think martial arts teachers are professionals because they mm-hmm. put a lot of time in their craft and mm-hmm. it only follows that they deserve uh, the money that they charge uh, from their students. As long as, in that, like you said, uh, if, if the, what they teach is, is the real thing. Right? But, but, we'll but, 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 but Dax, can I uh, of course. sing it? Yeah. I... I even in the beginning, you thought it's okay for the instructor to make money? Um, okay. Even, even when you started, even when you were younger? Well, the thing is, when, when I was younger, I was, I was part of the, uh, of the karate team of, 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 of my high school. And even then, I was paying already. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, it was 150 bucks a month. But back then, you know, sometime in the 80s, 150 pesos was not, was not cheap. And uh, so I and and I appreciated even before the the you know the idea of having to pay for it. But okay, but 
uh, on the other hand, uh, when I started to learn, because, because now we all teach, when I started to learn, it took me a while to, uh, to uh, justify charging for my services. Like sometimes I would think, you know, I, am I charging too high? You know, is it, is it you know, it, 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 it raises a lot of questions because you, you, you tend to question the quality or, or the thing that you're, the quality of, of the product that you're giving, which is the martial art, you know, or the techniques. Pero pagdating kasi sa ganon, I really think that uh, when I started to understand this whole phenomena, the entire phenomena, I started thinking about it, to be honest, when I started teaching, when I started coaching students. I wanted to understand the psychology behind why students are paying the amount that they're paying. What are the social practices that we have been doing? So I had to trace it back to, trace it back to history. And of course, I want to know your both of your opinions, pero in my understanding, kasi, we were as a society, we saw a lot of TVs, uh, TV shows, we saw a lot of movie, a lot of movies growing up. Uh, showing the noble side of teaching martial arts. It's a very noble thing. Uh, there was no there was no mention of compensation. Uh, yeah. They they never really told uh, they never there was no it was never tackled it was never discussed and then we saw the, it was more of the tradition we we practice the tradition we go through the motions and then we become padawan learners of our masters uh, not in any of those i mean i've seen movies uh tv shows magazine articles that everything was about the process everything was about the tradition everything was about the lesson yeah. Nobody said that the student paid the master or yeah. the student paid this teacher. Because for some weird reason, when you put money into the equation, it becomes a transaction. Uh, it kind of it devalues the entire thing. So that's something that I don't understand. So I think that kind of brainwashed people into thinking and to, parang it devalued learning martial arts. And at the same time, uh, it devalued the entirety of learning martial arts. Right. Na parang, okay, if I'm going to learn from you, you should accept me or I'm going to work hard. You accept me and then you train me without paying you anything. I'm not going to, it's not my responsibility to think of how are you going to pay the rent for this space? How, how are you going to live? What are, what, where are you going to get the money to eat every day? But every time I show up, you have to train me. Yun yung, that's the disconnect that I saw. You know, and I, I think I, I, it proliferated through the years until such a point where in people thought that learning martial arts was leisure. No, yeah, it, yeah, it was you know, bracketed what, under leisure. I want, I want to add something to that. You, know, you, mm. you brought up a very, a, a very uh, valid point or a very interesting point. You were talking about movies. And mm. I, I think maybe 90% of the people who do martial arts were inspired by martial exactly. arts. Exactly. Now, a, a perfect karate example. Kid. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring up Karate Kid. Why? Because you were talking about, you know, uh, imparting your, 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 like, you know, take the case of oh, Karate oh, Kid, oh. for example. What was, what was the, the good guys did not transfer money. See, Mr. Yeah. Oh. and Daniel's yep. son. They did not. Yeah, he never got paid. He never Who got were the oh. bad guys? The bad guys were the Cobra Kai. Who were paying? For the academy, they were paying yeah, academy exactly. fees. Oh, so there you go, there you go. So the, from that point, <laughs> galing, oh. yeah, exactly. This is what you're talking about, and and this every other movie is like that. You know, mm -hmm. the the big 
it's always the you know the little guy and you know not not being able to pay the master you know he probably clean his house or whatever oh but I, they were all the taken care of exactly oh. against the big yeah, yeah because the problem is uh they romanticized the masters of martial arts before mm, right. and they thought that um, like in, like in art no it's similar to art eh? uh, we've all heard of the starving artist right Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, starving mm-hmm. artist. Well, in martial arts, it's the starving martial artist. Yep. We we like to romanticize that, but it's not sustainable. Mm. It's not sustainable. Um, can I tell you some of my old masters about yeah. that? Please. A very good example is one of the best uh, masters I know in Filipino martial arts it was the late Tatang Ilustrisimo. When he died, they they had to get a second-hand coffin for him. Mm-hmm. And when they were they were carrying the coffin uh, to the place where he was supposed to be buried, mm-hmm. the bottom gave out because it was that cheap. So grabe and <laughs> samanon. That was so bad. That was oh my god. For an icon. Uh, Not again. Again, he he lived in. He used to live in Tondo. Okay. Then another one I'd like to mention is was one of my late masters also, uh, Montoni Diego. Mm. He died poor because when he was teaching, he didn't even have a. He wouldn't tell you how much how much you should pay for how much you should pay for his lessons. Uh, you just he, he would just wait for people to pay him. Mm-hmm. Oh, what happened man. was that's not uh. what, what happened was uh it be, uh, a rumor spread that he doesn't ask ask for money so a lot of people go there and, and they don't pay him so and he was okay with that he, he didn't charge actually no actually he was not okay with that but he so, was too nice or he was too shy to ask for money he had this Certain honor, this um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or humility. He didn't want to ask for money. Eh? His belief was, let's just wait. So, well, again, I respect him for that, but I think it was a mistake on his part. He, that uh, don't. I think, you know, um, and then it, like, this is the perfect jump off point to the next part of the, kumbaga, the other discoveries that I learned. Uh, when you add in, when you add in that romanticization, uh, for me that's the perfect word. That's the romanticization of martial artists and martial arts coaches, yes. and then you add on the Filipino culture of hiya. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's nakaka, and then um, we're all about waiting, and we're all about uh, we we put a certain amount of sentiment into whatever it is that we're doing. So we think that it's a service to humanity, and. We're not we're not expecting anything in return. We're hoping, we're praying that people oh, yes. see the value. No, of that, that, that's a word. That's a word. Hoping. Hoping that the, yes. the, the, our students will see the value of what we're teaching them, and then they would reciprocate. So it's not a ma- so so it's it's not a matter of you know we're all hoping right. as martial arts coaches back then were hoping simply because. I really believe, I've always been saying this, it's all about the hiya. It's the hiya culture of Filipinos. You, you know what then, the worst part of it is? And then is. the lack of education but, on how yeah, to monetize but, but whatever it is that you're doing. 
Anyway, the, Dax? Huh? Yeah, the, 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 you know what's worse is that students are actually spoiled because yes. they're yes. so used to that. They're so used yes. to the, the, the teachers here. You know what they always ask for? In my experience, they always ask for free trials. Yes. Sir, do you or, have any free trials? Why would or can we watch? Can or we can watch we watch? Or, mm. or can we watch? Can we take videos while we watch? Mm. You know, these are things that are actually very unethical, you know, in my book. Like, you know, yep. don't ask somebody that. You know, I, I, you, you are showing secrets, you are sharing imparting secrets, and they, they expect you to give it for free. So that, mm -hmm. that, that culture... Is, is true with teachers and students. No. And mm -hmm. I, I'd like to add that a lot of students actually take advantage of that. They do. They yep. do. I, know, yep. I know quite a few. I know quite a few. So the dick shits. Uh, and the, those <laughs> are the... They take advantage because Those they, are the gym hoppers. The gym hoppers. They it, will do a free trial on this gym, then the next free trial on the other gym. Open mats. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's the same thing in... Filipino martial arts mm -hmm. and they would say if you're if you really love the martial arts you wouldn't be asking for money right uh, exactly that is the that is the another entitling another, thing another line students hate, another line I hate is when they say okay okay sir if you give us a free uh, free session we will promote your martial art we will yes <laughs> or, oh my goodness shout really? out the really? shout out culture <laughs> or if you teach shout me out. If you teach me, I'll, uh, I, I, I can bring in five students mm -hmm. <laughs> or 10 students for you. Yep. Or teach me for free. I, I'll organize a seminar for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've heard that before. There are so many things. I just really believe that I think these things evolved through time. A lot of it was sustained and maintained. I mean, these are social practices. Um, and then... Later on, it evolved and transcended into entitlement. So now a lot of people think, a lot of people will always say, oh, I can see that on YouTube. I can, I've seen a lot of videos do it. And I go like, then go learn in YouTube. Mm -hmm. I don't need mm -hmm. you. <laughs> I mean, yep. I don't need you. Uh, I'm pretty sure that yeah. you will find unlimited I... resources out there. It's just that, well, uh, people just don't see the value yet because of so much conditioning through the years and then they all think that they deserve world-class training for free exactly that's I, something I, that I, I i've been asked um they, uh, this guy was appealing to a higher purpose uh i was asked don't you want to spread filipino martial arts mm -hmm. can you just teach teach it for free i said uh no <laughs> no uh my, i said money's good <laughs> You know, the ironic part of it is that the people who are asking for lessons for free are usually the ones who make money out of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. They use the pre, the, those lessons and sell them, you know. And it's, it's funny because, you know, it's, it's, it's so twisted. Uh, again, I, again I, I've seen that happen with, with uh, the late Tatang Ilustrisimo and with the late Mangtoni Diego. Yes, they don't get paid, but a lot of their students are making good money. Mm -hmm. So now it's a matter of how you promote now, how you promote, how you market your, your, so, so, so I think we're going to be at the fork or at the dilemma here. So it's partly because of the students and hugely about the instructors or the coaches back then, because it was their decision not to monetize whatever it is that yeah. they were teaching. Especially it's a very sad story for Doc to say that, Previous masters, and these are like super badass people, 
for for them to die that way. Diba? It, it it makes for a good story. It's a good sob story. But back then, could these people imagine how they were living? How Where were they getting money to eat? But students expected them to be there to teach. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it's a very selfish thing for, for people during that time. So now, at least with this episode, whoever's going to watch and listen to this will have a better appreciation of what they're learning from their coaches. Okay, so now we've 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 tackled that, you know, if it's okay or not, and and I think mm. we're all we're all uh, in agreement uh, in uh, in saying that yes, of course, it's okay to make money out of martial arts. We worked hard for it, and we're giving quality. No, um, so okay, so how do we make money exactly? Like especially now, uh, like I want to start with you, Franco, because mm-hmm. you are a a a, a very popular. Uh, very respected jiu-jitsu coach. Popular. <laughs> maybe, maybe popular, okay? Popular uh, with respected, the lady. Uh, popular with the lady. Okay, okay. Uh, let me rephrase. Respected in jiu-jitsu, but uh, in, in, jiu-jitsu. in other things. No, no, no. No comment? <laughs> no, the reason why I ask, I want to ask you first, because I'm very interested, because, you know, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu is grappling. Jiu-jitsu is, yeah. is close contact. And, and yeah. as we know now, everything is reverse everything is anti-contact mm. and everything now is is online so how how is it exactly that you manage that so pre-covid pre-covid everything is especially when it comes to jiu-jitsu it's a, uh it's a curriculum and class-based uh structure so we, it's very very simple so there are classes instructors go in they teach class and then students pay monthly fees and then from that uh from the monthly fees uh we use the funds that we've accumulated in order to pay uh, the rent for the space and to pay for the coaches. And then other than that, um, other sources of income would probably be uh, doing seminars, uh, doing privates. So privates is like uh, one-on-one sessions. And then it would depend on, on your rate, of course. It's, the rates are subjective based on your belt level, your competition experience, and your level of competency in terms of uh, teaching, uh, teaching students. Uh, other things... Um, I don't know. Like in my experience, I I just do privates, teach class, uh, I do seminars, and then on the side, I do a lot of other side projects. Yeah, and I do a lot of rackets. Yeah, but some of them are not martial arts related. But I've only been doing this for like more than a year, and then COVID happened. When COVID happened, everything pivoted into online platforms. No, um, okay, but okay. Before we continue on, I, I'd like to say mentioned that amongst us here you're the guy who's a who's the professional who, who's the yeah. professional mar, mar, martial artist mm. right because yeah, you I make know, a living yeah. out of it yep uh in, in my case i'm i have a, a day job mm-hmm. and martial arts is is uh teaching martial arts is more of a side gig mm-hmm. okay and that's what about you same with me uh i also have a day job and uh, teaching is is after hours. Uh, it's funny because sometimes it overlaps. Because when before before COVID, I was actually holding private lessons because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a practicing dentist, and mm-hmm. I, I would have people come in after clinic hours. So mm-hmm. it, it's funny because I would be working, and then there would be like three or four people 
outside my office waiting for me and and sometimes it would freak my patients out <laughs> but, but, yeah, but yeah it's a uh, it's it's we're the same Sixto and I were the same uh, you know as much as, as much as we are very passionate about it we haven't really been able to do it full time yeah we're not we're, we're not as good as franco we are not yeah <laughs> no, respected. no no okay okay but, 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 but the, the the thing is okay um we teach on different levels like like mm-hmm. you're part-time and franco you're full-time okay uh, i'd like to ask dax franco okay why, why do you guys teach okay um can i start first mm, go, go 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 okay first of all uh I, the original reason why I wanted to teach was I was looking for training partners. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff I, I want to train is not typically taught in an average class. Um, again, uh, with respect to my instructors, with my masters, they, they taught me well. But the thing is, I'm a free thinker. A lot of things I would like to check out, um, to try out. For example, in knife defense, Typical is block, block, counter, block, attack, okay? The thing sometimes I'd like to check some stuff that you, um, you do in jiu-jitsu, like the over-under. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is not typically taught in a in an FMA class. So I'd, I'd like mm-hmm. to try that. So that was my first reason why I, I'd like to teach, so I can try out other things. So I have students, I have partners to train with, okay? Mm-hmm. Later, as I got older, uh, I don't know, I just want to pass down my knowledge. And to tell you the truth, money's good. I, I, although it's not good enough for me to live off it, I want, I want to earn some money so I can buy equipment mm-hmm. and I can, I, can buy, I can buy books. Mm-hmm. And I can also pay my own instructors. So mm-hmm. that's the reason I want the uh, reason I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dax, you should answer next. Franco has a longer Franco, answer. Yeah, Franco yes. has a longer answer. <laughs> well, well <laughs> okay. Uh, my reason for teaching is um, it, it's okay, it's funny because uh, this is kind of a self revelation. Uh, mm. Because I, I, there was a point where I was really obsessed with. Uh, it started when we we started doing uh, uh, the knife stuff, so and and the urban combatives, the self protection stuff. That's that's when I really wanted to teach because at first it was more of self development, and then uh, what happened was uh, when when we learned self protection, you know, self defense, all of that. I this is the this is the part that I wanted to teach. And I, and I really wanted to share it with, at first, I wanted to share it with my family, you know, uh, for, to anyone who would listen, and my friends. And then, uh, and then I, you know, a friend of mine who used to be my teacher, who is actually a, a Jesuit priest, he came mm-hmm. from out of town and, and we had dinner. And then he said, you know, I see your videos and I see that, you know, you like to somehow, you, you like to stab people and whatever, you know, whatnot. So I mean, you know, why is that? And, and I couldn't give him an answer. And this guy's really smart. He's, he's you know, he's, he, 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 he knows how to analyze people. And he said, you know, tell me about it. Tell, why is it? And, and, I, and, and when he asked me that, I wanted to know, yeah, why is it? Why do I want to teach? And then so I, I gave him, you know, all these things that in my head. I was, I was telling him all these ideas, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this. The reason why I teach is because. Of and then he said, you know what? You know what you are? You're, you're very passionate. You, you hate 
people being bullied. He said, mm. you, you, you hate it when people are defenseless. And I think that's where the passion comes from. Mm. And then when I thought about it, yeah, that's true. Because, you know, we all hate, you know, deep down inside, we don't like people bullying the helpless, right? Mm. And, and what we want is we want to equip these people. And so apart from that also is when I learn, I, I'm very, I'm very anal when I learn. I write down everything. I remember, you know, you know, I, I memorize each, each term. Mm. I can even tell if the, you know, if, if, if the instructor is, is mixing up the terms, you know, mm. because all oh, before he was calling it this and then this, because I would write everything down. And then when I would go over my notes, you know, I can actually share this with people. You know, uh, because everything is everything is there. So, so that's 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 how teaching. And, and 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 for some reason, also when you teach, and I think you would agree with me, when you teach, you actually learn. You know, because it it it, it, it makes your mind work, and also makes you more sharp. Makes, makes you more sharp. sharp. And then when you see your students do what you're teaching, you actually, uh, me personally, I actually see my mistakes in my patients. Like when I'm a patient, I see I get mixed up. My students, you know, when I see them do the stuff that I teach them, and then I see that it's wrong, okay, no, this is wrong, we can adjust this, you know. So it's, it's hard when you're doing it because you think that you're doing everything right. But then when you see other people doing what you're teaching, oh, you can adjust it. So it's, uh, it's, it's learning and teaching and, and all of that. No, but anyway, Franco, you Yeah, for me, Franco has a skin, skin in the game here. Um, for me, teaching fell on my lap. Uh, I started, temp uh, I became a temporary instructor when my coaches or my masters were were busy with something else or they were doing another project. So I would be the temporary coach or the temporary instructor for the gym in that particular day. And then eventually I started falling in love with teaching and coaching. And then I realized that uh, my journey in martial arts, teaching, striking, grappling, and MMA eventually, that this was a pool this is something that should be shared this is something that should be shared it should not stop with me i should be able to pass it on to to my students or to anybody who is willing to learn and then through through enough i i just fell in love with teaching and i started teaching classes and then my fellow coaches encouraged me to handle classes more because apparently i had the knack for teaching and i was able to convey the message in a very in a very good way. Um, just to add to what Dax was saying, uh, it also made me uh, a lot sharper. I was more, I, I had a better understanding of the movements and how to put them into words so that my students will understand them. Teaching taught me that. And it actually made me a better, a better fighter, a better competitor. Because now I had to be more particular. I had to be more detail-oriented simply because I was teaching. And that really helped me, like, for the longest time, I was also, I also had a day job. So I just started, I finally decided, like, 2019, I decided for myself, I'm going to give teaching full-time a shot. And that for the entire year, I was just going around and, and teaching jiu-jitsu, doing seminars, and it was so much fun. And I really felt that it was my calling. It was, it was very, money was good. But at the same time, it made me happy. I think that was more important for me. I, I was happy. I was happy to see that people were understanding what I was saying. They were happy that they were learning from me. And uh, 
another added point to what Dak said earlier, I was happier when I saw that my students were winning tournaments. It gave me more happiness compared to when I won tournaments. When I saw my students uh, win tournaments and, and the smiles on their faces, it, it made the entire decision, it made the entire journey totally worth it. So now we're, in, we're all in quarantine and then everything pivoted to online. So this is something I wanted to ask the, the two of you. Because uh, this was probably one of the more successful webinars I've seen. So please like, tell me the story of how the Triple Summit came about. Like, what, how did you plan it? How did you... And for everyone who didn't know, uh, Dax Dok and the other and people here in the Philippines and the United States and UK, right? It was in the UK, right? Everyone pulled their resources together and they did um, a very successful three weekend or three day three seminar weekend, three with the three, three heads weekend, of, three of three weekend. different self-protection systems. Mm. And for, I mean, I shit everyone not. This is probably a logistical nightmare, but they made it happen. So for, was, Mar yes. so for future, <laughs> yep. So for future martial artists or martial art coaches who, who need to pivot to online teaching, they will tell the story on how they made it happen so that you can do it on your own. Uh, okay, Dax, no? Okay, uh, before, okay, I think Dax should, he's the one who organizes, but I, I'd, yeah. like to say, I'd like to say something. Uh, uh, in total, the teaching was about three, four hours, Dax, no? Mm, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, it was, teaching was three to four hours, but the preparation took about 20, 30 hours. Uh, we had to practice several times. We had to discuss it so right. many times. So right. if people think it's easy, uh, it's not, it's not really, it's not difficult, but it wasn't easy. And it okay. took a lot of time. It was not easy, but it was doable. It was easy, but it wasn't, it was doable. <laughs> Yeah. Dax, please tell them. Dax, tell them. Let's tell people what were the three systems that that happened with the Triple Summit. What were the three systems discussed and <laughs> the participants? Yeah, uh, the Triple Summit seminar, uh, for, for the people who don't know, is it was a seminar that was spearheaded by, were headlined by three masters. No? Mm -hmm. uh, Sixto and masters and founders of their own system. So, si Sixto with his Carlos Hermanos and then uh, Scott Bob of San Diego, uh, Libre, Libre Fighting, uh, Knife Fighting, and then Lee Morrison of uh, Urban Combative. You know? So, mm -hmm. th these, these guys, kasi, okay, these, these, these systems, kasi, Urban Combatives, Libre, Libre Knife Fighting, and, and Carlos Hermanos is what we consider as like to complete uh, self-protection uh, package. And uh, this was born out of, of actually, of, of the necessity of having to teach online, because we were we you know we we have been very active for the past at least for the past couple two three years no six mm. in the in the seminar circuit we've been very oh, you know, five years five years yes okay exactly because you have to the, consider twenty fifteen yeah when you were when we when, when you when you brought in uh, Jinro. Of uh, General, the, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. of uh, Libre Knife Fighting to to uh, to uh, the Philippines. Yes, 
So, okay. So, we had been doing this. We would bring people in. We would bring people in. And then they became regular. Josh became a regular. Lee became a regular. Every year, we would bring them in. And, and uh, it, 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 was very, it, 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 it was very fulfilling to bring them in because these are the teachers that we would, teach, we would learn from online. We would, you know, we, we, would, we would be fans of their systems. Like si Sixto mm-hmm. had been following Lee for like 12 years before mm-hmm. he came here. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we actually brought them here. And, and it was very frustrating for us. Now, all of a sudden, we couldn't bring them in anymore. And, uh, and, and we were actually, we, we were actually starting to teach in abroad also. Like I taught in Hong Kong and then Sixto taught in Croatia, taught in Singapore. And these things, you know, they were on already working and then all of a sudden it's gone. So, so I, I pitched the idea to Sixto. So I said, Sixto, you know, why don't we try to start teaching online? And then uh, there's this thing now, Zoom, you know, because started, people started using Zoom. Yep. And we would have uh, we ha- we would have reunions with our families, with our friends, with Zoom. I didn't know how to use Zoom. Sixto didn't know how to use Zoom. Mm. You know, we would just click. But you know, I got an account. I said, you know, I account. I I pay for it. Then, so I actually bought an account without even actually knowing how to use it. And mm. going back to to what and then to what Sixto was saying, you know, Sixto had a. I was I required each 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 uh, teacher like Sixto, uh, Scott, and Lee to teach one hour segments twice a day to fit the the time zones time zone okay. different time because, zones yeah. because we were de- dealing with three different time zones and there was no single time that would fit all three so i would require each one depending on where they were to to do a one hour seminar in the in the morning and then one in the afternoon now yeah we 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 had students from philippines hong kong yeah. middle east right middle yeah. east yeah yeah uk you are so. It, it was, you know, we it, had it a lot. Crazy. crazy. And, um, and going back to what Sixto was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's a one hour thing. But every week we would do, he would do like two, three times because it, it's, a, it's a totally different, you know, totally different experience. There's no, yeah. there's no audience, audience interaction. And the same, same with Lee and, 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 uh, and uh, Lee and Scott. You know, they were asking, they were asking me if they could do a dry run because it was actually making them nervous because this is like the first time that they would do something like this. You know, they would, they would have like seminars, they would have like, you know, they would have, they would make videos, but this is the first time that they would do live, like teach Mm. in front of a screen, you know, and, and not talk to anyone, not, not feed off the, the, you know, the, the, the energy of the audience. And anyway, it's, we did it. So it it was a uh, we we marketed it uh, through social media. Uh, the good thing about it was okay. It was the idea, kasi, was that to merge all three. Each each entity had their own markets. So it was Sixto with his market. It was Lee with his market, and then uh, Scott with his market. And the idea was to bring all markets together, and then they would find out about each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the the idea was we were trying to show how these three systems were merging perfectly with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was the goal. That was the goal, and uh, and and we were able to get a good number of people to join. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a there was an issue. There was a, there was an issue about the the price of the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not, yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's discuss oh, yes. like, yeah, the yeah, price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a there's 
Okay, I'm not going to say people were asking us to make it cheaper. Yes, I'm going to I'm not going to say how much it was, but it was it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap even by international standards. Um, and uh, I saw the price. The, it was cheap for international, <laughs> yes, I know, for exactly, an international seminar, yes, and then I it's know. the masters. Exactly. It's the masters that you are going to teach. Masters. It was cheap. Yeah, you have three masters, but you know, at least one of the masters was uh, was asking us because he was being advised. By his people, uh, you know, try to bring it down, and and I said, okay, let's. I, I've already committed with this price. Let's try it out first, and then maybe we can do it in the future. We can, you know, we, because it's hard. It's easier to put the price down the next time rather than to bring it down. Yep. But yep. but the funny thing about it was, okay, there were a lot of a lot of people, you know, shied away from it because of the price. But there were people who actually appreciated the. Uh, they appreciated the quality that we were giving, and and I think that and that was what we were really going for. I mean, you know, if you want quality, you have to pay for it, right? And true. and and all of the work that we put in, all the work six to put in, all the work I put in, Lee Scott, everybody worked hard for it. So you know, it's only it's only fair that you you pay for it, right? But but you know, apart from that, uh, it's funny because we have to throw in a lot of stuff also because apart from the seminars. Uh, we also gave uh, freebies, so mm-hmm. we gave uh, free subscriptions to our online. Because by the time we already mm-hmm. had online programs, and also uh, uh, recordings of the of the seminar, mm-hmm. and and from what we gathered, from what from what people were saying, they were very happy with it. And uh, you know, we really want to repeat it, but maybe not anytime soon because <laughs> you know after that, I think I was sleep asleep for like two days. <laughs> but yeah, it's a yeah, it's, it was an experience. It was it it, it was actually a, a lot a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was a, oh yeah. Oh yeah. From conceptualizing, um, making marketing, the outline, marketing, organizing. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and, and it oh, was yeah. an experience. Yeah, yeah we, I, think, uh, I think I, I learned really, a lot. I think we really have to drive home the point that. Um, this is not just a problem of martial arts coaches pivoting to online platforms, but this is also something that that I hear and I know of from content creator content creators. The end user or the consumers will only see the final product. They will see the yes. poster. Yes. They will see yes. the curriculum. They will see the program. They will see the speakers. They will see the duration of the program. They never see or appreciate that what they're going to pay for is the value, the production value, the marketing value, and the benefit that they're going to get from attending these, these kinds of seminars. That's right. They also have to consider that prior to the launch of these seminars, instructors and people who put it up, the organizers have already, like they spent a lot of money in terms of making sure that the curriculum will provide value and, and benefit the audience. These are the intangibles. These are the things that people don't see. They just see that, okay, I see a poster. Okay, I'm going to pay this amount for the lesson. I think this is the disconnected. This is also one of the disconnect. People see that they're paying for a lesson. They also have to realize that they're also paying to learn something from people who are way, way better than them at this. Right. And for the example, let's take the Triple Summit uh, into... This is probably one of the better examples because this was a very very big event in terms of doing a webinar because you're talking about three different time zones 
you're talking about three different individuals, you're talking about three different systems, and then you are going to mesh them together into one curriculum. So if anybody out there okay, can, can do something like that in like two months time, please message me. I will pay you. <laughs> but but yeah. if you can't, if you can't, you have no right to question the amount or the the. I, I mean, here's the thing. I think we're we're gonna go back. To, we're gonna go back to our previous discussion. Students only see what's in front of them. They don't see the value or. I think a huge amount of why people go to seminars is because of the person who's going to teach the seminar. Right. For me in the jiu-jitsu and MMA community, uh, if a world champion black belt is going, to, is going to do a seminar here in the Philippines, and there have been so many black belts that went here in the Philippines, I could learn whatever it is that they're going to teach on YouTube. I could learn it from my coaches. I could learn it from my senseis. However, I value that person. I value the person what that person brings into the game. And I want to experience a class with his words, with his or her words, with his or her methodologies. I want to experience. So more or less you're bringing, you're paying also for the experience of learning from that person, hearing the words from his or her perspective. Because at the end of the day, there will be an armbar is an armbar. A rear naked choke is a rear naked choke. But, you want to know how that person does it. You want to know how, what is the pathway towards that choke. In the same way now that everyone is here, which is also my follow-up question. How were you able to establish the connection between you guys who were doing the, what do you call this, who were doing the seminar and your audience? Because we're all teaching martial arts. Martial arts is a very human thing. We need human connection. And this is what this is. Uh, this is a personal question for the both of you. It's like, how were you able to establish like a clear-cut communication line, and how were you, Sixto? You were one of the moderators of the seminars. How how were you able to establish your connection between you and your audience in terms of what you were teaching? Uh, Practice. <laughs> practice. <laughs> practice. Practice. Oh, man. We, we practiced like hell. Future coaches, that's what you need. Practice, okay? It's not and you put okay, on okay. the camera before, and then you just start okay. talking. Before okay. Sixto explains, uh, before Sixto explains, mm. okay, let me attest to that, okay? Mm. And this is true for Sixto. This is true for Lee. This is true for, for, for Scott. Okay. They gave flawless uh, lectures. Flawless. Every time, some because it was one weekend per Per, per teacher. Mm, every, mm, after mm. every weekend, high praise, high praise, flawless, everything. That word always kept on coming up, flawless. But mm -hmm. you, could, you should have seen these guys, particularly Sixta, because we were working closely together. Mm -hmm. You know, the three guys, they were nervous because they mm -hmm. didn't know. They didn't have any experience. But what it's did they not do? easy, guys. They, it's they, not they easy. Practiced. They practiced. You know, see, see, see Lee, Lee was, was telling me, oh, can you hear me from this distance? Because he had no clue. And then Scott was saying, is the light correct in this area? Am mm -hmm. I supposed to stand here? The... They didn't yeah. know because it was all new. It was all new. And it came out flawless because these people are professionals. And mm -hmm. that's what people paid for, the professionalism. And yep. the hundred percent, hundred percent. That's how many times did we practice? <laughs> I would say maybe, okay, I would say maybe at least, at least eight or ten. At least. Wow. Eight or ten. Wow. Okay. wow. That, that was us. Mm -hmm. yes. But every day I would video myself mm. and practice on my own. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know. Maybe I had 20 hours of practicing yata. Eh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 20, uh, at least 20 hours of practicing. People don't see that. Like you said, Franco, they don't see that. They don't see that. They, see they, that. Don't, they don't. They okay, don't. Okay, this guy, he's taking it easy. You know, it looks mm -hmm. easy, but it's not. It's not easy. That's, that's why I wanted to ask that question so that whoever's going to watch and listen to this will have a better understanding and a better idea that online coaches, whether us or any of our peers, they don't just go in front of the camera and say, hey guys, this is the lesson of the day, blah, 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 blah. Everything has to be planned out, especially oh, yeah. now that everyone is doing their thing online. Uh, you have to be mindful of your audience's time, your personal time, and then you have to make sure that you compress everything in that particular session. Mm. That's why uh, if there's one takeaway from this episode, it's that everything, there's more preparation actually. For me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it takes more preparation now. Okay. Because, uh, you, you, you can't make anything up. The moment there's dead air, voila. The moment there's dead yeah. air, your audience feels it. They will know. That's and then they will, I agree. they will notice it. And then that's where small doubts start kicking in. So for, for everyone to say that it was a flawless seminar, it simply mm. means that you put in more than at least, more than 30 hours into practice. Mm. Yeah, okay? more or less, yeah, yeah. about. Mm. Well, you know, adding to that and, and moving on to a, a different uh, subject, no? Pasinya, mm. that, uh, you, you, you talked about uh, every, the effort that we place in, in our craft and all of that. Mm. What, what, you know, Franco, what, mm. are the, what are the pressures that you face as, as an instructor? What sets, you, what sets you apart from, you think? Or oh, think, man. What is the effort that you put in? What, what, what exactly? Because I'm sure there are, you know, you're not the only jujitsu instructor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what is it that you have to do to, to keep your edge, you know? That is something that is something that I tell myself every day. I when when I have moments to talk to myself, I always ask this question, what makes you different? What makes you different from the next guy who can teach the same thing? And when I it's my daily reminder. Every time I go before I go to the gym, I always have a conversation with myself. And I always tell them that I always tell myself that I have to be better every day. I have to I have to be better because I have to make sure that my students learn something this day. I have to be able to use the right words. I have to be able to use the right moment to, to convey the message. And most important of all, I have to make sure that they understand what I'm saying. The moment I see that my words are put into action, then I did my job. So I have to repeat the same process the following day, only better. So now when it comes to when it comes to the daily pressures of being a coach, it's being more detail oriented. You have to be ready for questions from your students and you have to prove yourself. Right. And it proving yourself proving yourself takes so many so many facets. Number one is again, you should be able to answer the questions of your students. Here comes authenticity as well. If you don't know the answer, just tell them don't know the answer. I'm pretty sure Doc Sixto has so many stories of people compensating and making up shit because <laughs> they don't know the answer. Me, I've, I've, it shows my sincerity and humility. If I don't know the answer, I'll, share, I'll tell my students, I don't know the answer right now, but let's go figure it out. Uh, next is I have to I take it upon myself to compete. If there's a competition, I have to compete. 
because competition makes me a better teacher. I don't know about other guys, but for me, competition makes me a better teacher. It, 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 it exposes me to myself as to, as to what level am I in and what are the other things that I have to learn. And if I lose a tournament, I'm going to use those lessons and share them with my students so that it doesn't happen to them. Uh, other things is I have to be at the top of my game. How can I be a good coach or a teacher if I'm unhealthy? If I'm a, I'm a, if I'm a fat fuck, if I'm obese, if I cannot run, if I cannot swim, if I cannot, um, if I cannot, ito rin yun. Most important of all, I have to spar with my students. Any good instructor has, whenever they can, in as much as they can, they have to spar their students. Again, this is just me. There are a lot of coaches out there, whether in jiu-jitsu, in MMA, or any other martial arts, they think they're the shit. They don't spar with their students anymore. Me, as long as my body can take it, I will spar with my students because it forms that connection between student and teacher. Oh, I to expound on that. Your last point, you know, you have to spar with your students. I, I totally mm. agree. Uh, because what happens, especially in, in Filipino martial arts, uh, is that... The, the masters or the teachers, they don't like to spar with their students. Mm. It's, it's like... Master because they're masters. <laughs> they're not worthy. Okay? But, but I know, I, you know, I'll bet you, I'll bet you these people are just afraid. These, these masters, okay? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm sorry, masters, whoever you are. Sorry na lang masaktan kayo. But, okay, the reason why they don't want to spar is because they don't want to lose. Yes! They don't want to lose. Now, okay, is there anyone who actually loses in a sparring match? It's a sparring no. drill. Okay? Okay. It's, in fact, in fact, if somebody beats you at sparring, if your student beats you finally in sparring, then you should be happy. Because yes, 100%. You molded this person into the fighter that he is or she is. It's like, it's like saying, okay, going back to the, I, I like going back to the Manny Pacquiao, Freddie Roach uh, mm. analogy. Do you think that Freddie Roach can beat up Manny Pacquiao? No way. <laughs> no way. He's going to die, right? But mm-hmm. he remains to be the teacher. And, you know, they're not going to spar. Okay, I guess that's a bad analogy that, in, that, mm. in that sense. But, okay, it's a given that you will lose, but it doesn't make you any less of a teacher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because every you know everybody wants to hang on to this master label. Yes, yes. You know, even I I would always ask Doc that question, and I'm doing my best to understand this. So before we bring it to Doc, I just like like plus lang na ano add on question. It's like I do not understand what's with FMA guys in terms of there's more verbal sparring than actual sparring. <laughs> then I don't understand why there why are there too many. Uh, FMA instructors who are too fat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get it. You say you're a badass, you're dangerous. It's always I'm dangerous, but for sure, if I snatch your cell phone, I'm gonna run ten flights of stairs. You won't catch me. No, you know, before before six answers. Okay, <laughs> you know, again adding to that, um, a friend of mine recently, I think, I think just yesterday, sent me a video mm. of this FMA, you know, clip. Mm. And I think they were promoting their lessons. And it was like, yes. I'm sorry for lack of, forgive my French, but it was a load of crap. And, <laughs> and he, knew, he knew, he knew because he's trying to piss me off. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know, I just have one question every time. One question. Mm-hmm. Can you 
fucking fight. Yes. My only question. Mm. You can be the best twirler, mm. you know, the best, you know, really look really fast, but can you fucking fight? Mm -hmm. Anyway, Sixto. Before uh, I pop a vein. <laughs> well, well, um, for one, again, they don't, uh, a lot of them don't really fight. A lot, in mm -hmm. FMA, a lot of instructors are drill masters. They just do a lot oh, of, okay, of okay, okay. That's one. Another one is they're scared to fight. That's it. That, that, that's what I don't understand. That's what I don't understand. Why? Is it an ego thing? Is it, is it a pride thing? Oh, because when they lose, they lose students, they lose money. Uh, uh, I, I, I was in a demo before and I was there. Uh, and I didn't like one of the guys there. And I said, I'm going to fucking beat this guy up. Okay. Mm. Then somebody beside me, what? You want to fight? We don't fight here. Then, <laughs> then I said, this is uh, martial arts. Aren't we supposed to be fighting? But of course, I didn't argue. Well, he was also fat. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a sad culture in FME. A lot of, a lot of instructors, a lot of um, masters mm -hmm. are out of shape. And they're quite young. They're not so old. Yes, yes. And to tell you frankly, um, when uh, the guys who taught me like... Um, Tatang, he was 70, 80. No, I met him, he was 80 and he was quite fit. He was Yeah, you, when Sixto showed me footages and fo photos, uh, photos and training videos of the legends, they weren't fat. They had uh, big forearms. Yes, they were lean. Forearms. Yeah. They were lean. They were training topless. He, mm. he showed me a video of, uh, I think that was Tatang or Mang Tony. He's like yeah. wielding sticks. He was teaching. He was topless. He was like, Shoulders were broad, and, you know, and they I weren't admit, really weight lifting uh, weights. When I met Leo Guy, I think he was 54 or 55, mm. he made the swing barbells. Mm. And the Olympic, not the Olympic one, the, the one for the whole yeah, gym. Yeah, normal, yeah, yeah. But that's still heavy, okay? Yes, yes. And, and he was swinging that. So when he did that, we had to follow him. So I don't know, I, I'm... I, I'm used to that. So, but a lot of instructors now, and a lot of them are quite young, 30s, 40s. They're out of shape. So I think so. Silalandok. I think we can classify them as the the practitioners that got rank and just started just teaching, and then they hide behind the rank. I think these yeah. are the people that hide behind the rank. Because I I, uh, I think we were discussing this earlier um, off camera. Mm. The problem with a lot of martial artists why they don't make money in again in martial arts in this mm -hmm. in your craft is because they're martial artists first then businessmen second mm. right right a lot of fma guys are businessmen first yeah, first and then martial arts and martial artists second you know, yeah. i went to europe i met quite a lot of people there uh actually not only there i i saw a lot of places um, some guys, um, one of them, Dax knows. Mm -hmm. uh, my God, they suck. <laughs> they can't, they can't fight, but they're making money. 
So in their case, they're more they're businessmen first and martial artists mm. second. Mm. I think there has to be a balance between yep. the two. Yep. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Actually, I envy them because they make a living out of this, but they suck. Yeah. So I think now, I think that's the key. There has to be balance wherein if you're a martial artist, you should not stop there. If you're teaching, it doesn't stop there. If you want to make this part of your living or if you want this to be your main source of income, you should be able to accept the fact that you don't know shit about business and learn the business aspect yeah. of yeah. teaching. Because I think the really good ones, that's what, that's what they did. Um, this is some, again, this is one of those off-camera topics that we were discussing, uh, discussing prior to recording because I was baffled that a lot of the people that I know who are really, really good don't really have the business acumen to set up anything compared yeah. to like, for example, if you go to United States and Singapore and Australia, most black belts, by the time you get to brown belt even, you can start teaching jiu-jitsu classes. You can make it your living. And then when you get mm. to black belt, you can open your own school. Yeah. A lot of them, like for example, a lot of my friends set up schools in Australia, in Singapore, in Hong Kong. They have more than like more than 100 to 200 students. Wow. These are regular paying students. The wow. biggest academy I know in Australia has 400 students. Wow. So when I asked why, they said, uh, they made sure that the instructors delegated tasks. And then number two, they took time off training and teaching to learn the business side of things. Yeah, yeah. So I think that is the necessary component. Another takeaway from this episode is that don't... Having, uh, what do you call this? Having knowledge and proficiency and it's technical enough. is not enough. Yeah, being, yes, being good, enough. Being yeah, good you, is not enough. Being good is yeah, not you, enough. You have to learn certain skills. You have to mm. learn how to teach. You have to learn how to organize. You have to learn public speaking. Mm. Right? And you have to be familiar with updates right right with updates on training um mm -hmm. some stuff you just don't do anymore because they're mm -hmm. dangerous or there's a high chance for injury so mm -hmm. like before in sarian we used to spar for contact mm -hmm. you're allowed to kick the groin but we don't wear groin guards groin <laughs> and nobody wore mouthpiece uh, mouth pieces we didn't put traps yeah and, Actually, Spartan wanna, training. Yeah, Spartan I, training. Actually, I I, I want to bring something up uh, about mm. that um, because it's it, the fight. The, you know, the martial arts is a funny thing. It, it's it's it, it you tread a very very narrow line because mm. uh, in my experience, uh, when I started training with Sixto uh, Carlos Hermanos, Carlos Hermanos is a very in your face system. It's very simple. Yep. Yeah. And, they have, and at the very first, maybe second, your second meeting, you're sparring full, you know, almost full contact already. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the, the sparring, the sparring part is part of it. It's part of the learning process. It's not like mm -hmm. you learn first and then you spar. No, it's you, you spar as you learn. And, yep. um, and, and, and this has been very effective and it's been proven time and again to be very effective. The funny part about it was when, when, when people started asking me, when I started teaching, uh, you know, Carlos Hermanos, when I started teaching, they would ask me about it. And then I would say, oh, you know, it's, this is really an effective system. And I would show them the videos of us sparring. And the, the effect of that was actually the reverse. They would 
oh my god that looks like it hurts mm-hmm. i don't want to do that and they end up doing something else something yeah. more fancy something more aesthetic i guess because i guess it's funny because when you when you put out these videos of, of us bashing each other's heads the market for that the people who actually want to fight they don't want to pay also <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> they don't that's also, weird yes i agree i agree or who cannot pay so, so so you have the white collar the white collar martial artists who say oh my god that's you know that's scary and then you have the real you know oh i want to try that but you know can you give me a free seminar first i think it's because uh, the, the people who can pay have more to lose yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is uh Jiu-Jitsu has handled that dilemma very well. Yes. yes. Because I think yes. originally Jiu-Jitsu was designed to fight, to fight other yep. systems, right? Yep. And, and Jiu-Jitsu is not cheap, huh? It's not cheap. Yeah, no, it's not it, cheap. No, it's, it's not cheap. Um, yes, it is expensive. Um, on, but in terms of compared to our know, Asian neighbors, Jiu-Jitsu in the Philippines is very cheap. But again, anyway, yes, but it's still <laughs> yeah, it's it's expensive by it's expensive by yeah compared to other martial arts. And anyway, go, going back to that, jujitsu has handled it well. Mm. Um, like before, why why were people why were people attracted to jujitsu? It was because of the UFC, right? Yep. And jujitsu has made um, has been able to balance it well. Mm-hmm. People who want to fight that way are attracted to it. But yep. the teaching method- methodology um, now, jiu-jitsu is very safe. That, yes. Right? Anyway, Franco, you, you, I, I think you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're in a better I position. Mean, I mean, right? to, just to add to that point, it's simply the methodology of teaching jiu-jitsu. It's doing our best to explain to students that this is a sport in a martial art wherein you can go 100% without getting injured for the simple reason that if you've had enough, you can just tap. And when you tap, everything stops. Okay. So you prevent breakage, you prevent further injuries, you prevent damage. Yeah. And then at the same time, there are a lot of things in place during class to make sure that everyone's safety is the number one priority. I, th- I think the key word that you mentioned here is methodology mm. uh, because it's lacking in a lot of systems. And I, I will be one of the first persons to admit it because like in Carlos Hermanos, it was designed uh, for backyard training. Mm. It's not really designed, Dibadax, it's mm. designed for backyard training. Yeah. It's not really designed to, to, to teach class. 100 class. Yeah. mass training, right? No, no, it's, it's difficult. Or at least we haven't designed it yet for that. Mm. Jiu-Jitsu, on the other hand, or even other karate, karate systems, yeah. taekwondo systems, they're very good with that. The methodology of teaching mm-hmm. uh, um, a lot of people at the same time. I think it's the class structure and the curriculum. When you have a standard to follow, it's easier. I mean, it gives a better picture. And then, ako naman, um, for the benefit of who's gonna watch and listen, uh, how long have we been teaching, and what was the point, or what year, or what level were we in before we started thinking and actually charging people? Oh, okay, I'd like I'd like to add to that. Mm. Okay, uh, in the Philippines, when you have a kickboxing or boxing class, 
it's the trainer and the student, right? Yes. Pak, 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 pak. It's one-on-one. -on -one. So the trainer gets paid 100 pesos for one hour, yeah. two hours. That's the, no, the tip, the tip. <laughs> I attended this uh, training in the States when I went mm -hmm. there. They're very good. They're very organized. Uh. Mm -hmm. It's partner training. It was a, kickbox, a karate kickboxing class. Mm -hmm. You have a partner. So one trainer is able to teach about 20 students. Mm -hmm. They have a very good teaching system. You, mm -hmm. Even the Muay Thai class says here, they're mm -hmm. all one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. Trainer, student. Uh, I guess in states in other my brother trained us in the Citadion gym in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, he told me it's rare for you to train with um, with a trainer, mm -hmm. with an instructor. You normally train with your classmates. Yes. With your so yes. I, again, um, the Americans are very good when it comes to how to organize a martial arts class. Yep. We can learn a lot from them. Definitely. And I think the moment you want someone to hold pads for you, that is considered a private lesson, so you have to pay more. Pay extra, yes. Mm. Here, to tell you the truth, all kickboxing and boxing classes are actually private. Yep. That's right. Uh -huh. yeah. That's true. That's yeah. why a lot of Filipinos are spoiled. Yes, that's why when they train in other countries, they're surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want a private, a one-on-one -on -one trade, that's so expensive. Yeah, it's like $120 to $150 for for a boxing private. Like you get a particular, you get one coach to like do everything that local coaches here do to you at a cheaper rate. Anyway, anyway um, I think we haven't discussed yet on, we focused a lot on the online teaching, okay? So mm. guys, so how how do you teach? martial arts again in my case i'm more of a backyard teacher mm. uh again because i i'd like to keep my schedule flexible uh -huh. i don't want to teach after dinner mm. um i can't teach in the morning because i work maybe late afternoon that's when i teach i teach in seminars mm -hmm. and sometimes online mm. um Kayo, how, how, how do you guys teach more or less, I practice the same thing, Doc. I have a particular block time for online classes. So it's all it's all about building the habit with your students that are at this particular time. Like, for example, 6 p.m. or 8 p.m., these are the time slots that we're going to train. So it's whoever attends joins the class. We keep that schedule consistent. Yeah, but... So now but, but you're building the habit. No, but again, pre-COVID or... After the pandemic, this is going to end sometime soon, okay? Um, yeah. maybe, I'm not sure soon or, but it's going to end. It's going to end. So, again, you teach in the class, right? Yeah, classroom, classroom, though. Classroom, right? In Rockwell, eh? mm. yeah. So, for sure, when when gyms uh, open up again, for sure, it's going to be at 30% capacity. Then they'll go 50% yeah. capacity. And then, um, initially, me and my fellow coaches would always... Uh, this is one thing that benefits the jiu-jitsu community. We are we're a very close-knit family like vibe community that it's easier to communicate or it's easier to have a conversation with your students and your teammates. So it's easier to contact trace. Like it's easier to have that conversation with people and say, "Okay, where did you go? Did you go to a public place?" Uh, I mean, if you 
did you have any contact with anybody who got sick lately? If yes, then no, but, don't but, go to the gym muna. But the thing about jiu-jitsu is it's more or less suited for a class. Yes. Uh, for a classroom, so, right? So normally classes are... The students come in, uh, whoever is assigned to teach that day uh, will make them go through the motion. So it's your warm-up. Uh, you get your... You get uh, the the instructor will discuss what will be covered for that day, and then you're going to uh, going to the class proper. So class proper, these are like one or two techniques, and then you will do situational sparring, and then the culminating activity is everybody's favorite portion. It's open sparring for everyone. Mm -hmm. so, so 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 those are the ways you teach. Uh, yep. Private, yep. Uh, for for private, class, it's. Yeah. Yep. So that's the class structure. For privates, it's different. Uh, privates is a little is a lot more flexible in terms of uh, since it's one on one or it's like a small group. I ask them, what do you guys want to work on? Like any specific position? Do you want clarification mm. towards any specific technique that you're working on? So that goes for striking and grappling. Uh, what about seminars? Uh, I think you've given uh, seminars for seminars. Before, right? Yep. Yep. For seminars, it's um, it really depends on what I, there are a lot of black belts that when they do seminars, they already have a set of techniques that they're ready to teach. Mm. It's already predetermined. Uh, me, I, I talk with the chapter head or the head coach of the gym and I go like, okay, I'm going to do a seminar there. Uh, what would benefit your students more? For example, if you have a lot of white belts or if there are a lot of, if they are predominantly beginners, I'll teach a lot of high level basics so that to build the foundation because if they're all white belts and I teach them a very complicated sequence, they won't benefit from the seminar. So a lot of uh, back and forth communication between myself and the coach. I always ask them, what are, you, what are you guys working on? And what do you think are the techniques? You know your students best. So what do you think are the techniques that they need in order to get better faster? So okay. from there we struck I that's from their feedback, that's where I structure what I'm gonna teach in that particular seminar. Uh UDAX. Um how do I teach? Yeah. Mm. Well the the thing about it is uh, what we you know everything I teach I, I learned from you, Sixto. No? So I mm. I basically teach uh, Carlos Hermanas Arnis mm -hmm. and then Libre Fighting and then of course Jung Gorban Combatives, no. Uh, but the thing is, it's not the things that we teach is that they're not as mainstream as jujitsu because jujitsu is very popular because of, of, of UFC, you know, uh, mm. it's always boxing and, and, and but but the thing is that the, the things that we teach are not it's a very niche kind yeah. of yeah. kind of martial art, no? all three, and uh, it's it's actually very hard to find people who are interested and who are willing to learn. Because you actually have the fans, but then people who actually want to pay for lessons, it's yeah. not it's mm -hmm. not that high. So pay and uh, pay, take the time. Yes, the take the time and pay. So so to be honest, I've only you know of, of, you know since 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 I started teaching these things, you know the the most that I've had in a class would probably be five people, and, and that probably happened like just just a few times. Most of the time, it's. Two people, one people, three people, one one person, and, and it's and what I do is I, I just do it by appointment. I don't even have a regular schedule. I tried doing a regular schedule, but then when I started doing that, you know, it, people would come. You know, sometimes they'd come, sometimes mm -hmm. they won't. 
so you know it's 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 very hard so more or less now it's it's really a a one on one but i know i know we don't want to discuss this but or we we're past this as you pointed out sixto but i i i found more success in teaching online because mm. uh i found that there are actually more people particularly in Carlos Hermanos Arnis, there are more people interested in it from overseas than there mm-hmm. are from local, local uh, you know, from Filipinos. For some reason, Filipinos are not really that interested in, in, in Arnis or stick fighting. But foreigners are fascinated by it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I teach an online course in that. And it, it, it's, 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 people have been very responsive. And it's funny because when when pe- when we started showing videos of, of foreigners doing it, then the locals want to do it also because <laughs> if the, if it's good enough for the you know for the foreigners, then it must be really good, you know. So and, and that's yeah. like, that's ironic. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad thing here in the Philippines. Yeah, I think we were discussing this before. Yeah, it's, uh, easier in the Philippines. If you were not a Filipino, especially if you're a white guy, correct? Yes. Yep. It's a it's a big plus. Even in Filipino martial arts, even if you're ten times better than this foreigner, yeah. Filipinos are stupid enough. They uh, they um we would they prefer foreigners. Train, <laughs> yes, we would rather train with a foreigner than with a Filipino who's ten times better than he is. That's I've true. seen that happen so many times. And I think we've discussed this before also. When we teach in other countries, mm-hmm. we have to be 10 times as good. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I told you before, I think I caused a fracture on one of my students. Yeah. He was kind of challenging me. Uh, and Dax, you had a hard time also when you gave a seminar in Hong Kong, right? And a little also bit. you, Franco, when you were in Singapore. Yep. That's the problem, man. I don't understand it. That's why it's called FMA, Filipino Martial Arts. So if a, <laughs> so if a foreigner is teaching you FMA, does, does that make them more credible you know, I, compared I've, to a Filipino? So I I've think, heard it more than once that you know, people say, people oh, say I that, find it very weird. that the best teachers of FMA are not Filipinos. Mm. I've heard it more than once. Wow. And, and it's really, what, really? I mean, you know, what's your basis? The basis is for that, and I, this is my assumption or my, my conclusion is, <laughs> is the fact that they, they, they market themselves better going back yeah. to marketing mm-hmm. and, and they have yep. the better videos. They speak better. You know, for some reason... I think it's the speaking better. Yes. When you uh, speak, English, when you speak um, in English, sometimes people, people think that it's more credible when you speak in English. Yeah. And another thing is it's because of their instructors. They're given bullshit ranks like that. To yeah. mm. I, yeah. I've, met, I've met this instructor from the States and he's... Adatu, what's that? Right? <laughs> Filipinos, we, we know what Adatu is. It's royalty. It's royalty. And, they, and uh, his instructor gave him that rank? What, what, what is that? And actually, it's, part, it's partially uh, the fault of Filipinos also. Yes, yes, yes. Totally agree. And a lot of Filipinos would say, hey, uh, I'll teach you this. It's a secret. I'll teach my other students. Blah, 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 blah. Man, I, I've seen that. I've seen that before. Um, because my students here, mm. they are not interested. And I'll teach you the secrets. I, I've seen that. 
A lot of people into that, the whole secret technique. Uh, like, okay, yes. Yeah, I will show you the secret technique. No, no, with, with secrets. I think that's also the problem of, of most instructors. The good ones, they like to keep their, their system secret. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the, the, the irony of it is when they teach their secret techniques, their students will make it public and they're the ones who become more popular. Yes, yes. That is true. That is true. I yes, 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 yes. And then they package it in such a way that this is the secret is out, or I have I have the the secret technique to make to beat everyone, and for a certain amount, I will show it to you. Yeah. No, Sixto, you you tell them about. Uh, remember, you told me about. Uh, you asked me who who are the most popular chefs or or cooks, and you said. They're the ones who have published cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so they they teach and they have their TV shows. These are the yeah, ones yeah, that they know. So they teach their supposedly their secrets, and then they're the ones who are the more popular, the, the more yep. the more popular ones. You know. You, yep. you know. Usually, more often than not, if you if you hear of a, of a chef, oh, he's the best chef. Why? What what show is he on? What TV show did he? Yeah. What book did he write? You know, it's it's the cookbook phenomenon. So the more, so it it follows also with 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 martial arts. The more videos you you, you put out, the more popular you get, and people yeah. will still they will still they will still study under you. You know, it doesn't mean that you know you put out all these videos. Oh, I know all these videos, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enroll in this course. Anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's so. why that's why I think uh future coaches should always remember and this is something that i post as well in jiu-jitsu and mma forums uh for the coach's benefit uh, there's no secret to monetizing your skill set right there's no secret all you have to do i posted it i shared it with them like you have to build your personal brand you have to learn how to speak better tagalog you have to learn how to speak better english mm-hmm. uh you should be able to uh use uh put into words the techniques and then the next step would be, so these are like five things. Mm-hmm. And you make sure that, and the fifth uh, one is, I sh- you should be able to put everything together, put techniques into words, and then use those words to communicate to your student. That's it. Yeah. Yun, um, uh, so a lot of people like that post, but of course, true to Pinoy fashion. <laughs> Let me guess. The mo- <laughs> a lot of, the comment section just went like, Oh, English, I have to learn English. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, I don't know any English or I only finished elementary. Uh, oh, English, English pala kailangan para kumita. I'm like, dude, I'm not here to like this on you. I'm telling you how to get better. Uh, uh-huh. If you want to earn more, this is these are the things that you have to do. You, you can't be, yeah, you can kick well, you can show them how to kick well, but if you don't know how to use the right words to convey the message, then you can't charge higher. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but the next guy who's an the idiot, the, ne- yeah, but the next guy who's an idiot, who speaks better, yeah, but the, the, ne- the, the next guy who is practically more in- technically inferior than you, but he can speak better, mm-hmm. and, the per- and the students understand him better, they will enroll to his school, not yours. Right, right. Uh, because we've been discussing on teaching directly on how to make money in martial arts, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Gym class, one-on-one, backyard teaching. Seminars. Seminars, uh, online teaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. One thing that we have not tackled on, but actually the three of us, we do it. 
what are the other ways of making money in martial arts? For example, in my case, I've been a judge before. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I've okay. been an MMA judge before. And another thing is I've co-organized seminars with Dax, right? We've done, between us, we've done 10 to 20. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah. I don't know. We, yeah, I don't even count anymore. <laughs> international seminars, okay? Yeah, yeah. So th those are the ways I make money other than teaching directly. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, officiating and organizing seminars where other people teach. Mm. Okay. Like, uh, me, what about you guys? Me, I'm an MMA referee, an MMA judge, and then uh, I also host MMA uh, martial arts events. Oh yeah. So for example, the press press yes. uh, press That's briefings, awesome. the the event itself. Uh, I do analyst work and commentary work for combat sporting events. Mm -hmm. So whether it be boxing, I've done work for boxing and in MMA. Mm -hmm. I'm mostly the analyst. So there, I have a co-anchor and I am the analyst. And you also organize some uh, uh, I, yes, competitions. I, I organize a annual jiu-jitsu tournament, which yeah. is called Arte Suave Manila. Mm -hmm. And I've also done or organized seminars for visiting black belts. Oh yeah, I, for, I forgot to mention, yes. Similarly, um, we organize duelo. And oh yeah, that, tournaments. The, yeah. Tournaments. And nice tournaments, 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 tournaments. Tournaments. Okay, yeah. and- Yeah, I know, yeah, me, it's, it's mostly, uh you know the the the, the gigs that we, we me and sixto we we do like we when we bring in uh when we bring in experts from abroad when we organize seminars because and i locally and locally, locally also locally. yes yes uh because what we you know you, the thing is um sometimes uh sometimes teachers they 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 believe their own hype. They think that you know mm -hmm. it's it's all about them. But we believe that it's not. You know, as as like for example, Sixto, for example, Sixto, as good as he is for for as men for for the, the 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 vast knowledge that he has, he accepts that he doesn't know everything. So he he's not afraid to bring in people. So he tells me, Dax, yes, you think we can bring in this guy, Dax? Do you mm -hmm. think? We can make a seminar for this guy because he also wants to learn. I also yeah. want to learn. So yeah. it, the, the, the funny thing is we bring in people that we want to learn from. And, mm -hmm. and when we do the seminars, when we started doing the seminars, our goal really was to learn for free. For free, like yeah. We bring, we bring in the people. That's true. That's like true. from abroad. And then we have people watch him so that these people will finance, the, you know. And, and to us, that is that is... That is enough. Well, it started that way, but then eventually we made money out of that because there's also extra because, you know, these are people who, who we believe have the quality, you know, or the, uh, they, they teach quality uh, stuff. So it's not just us who wants to learn from them. Other people also want to learn and, and you make money out of it. So when it's born really out of our, our uh, you know, our passion for learning. Yeah. We mm -hmm. want to learn from these people and we don't have the money or we're not willing to spend that much to bring them in. So we make it a business and, and it's been good so far. And, and inside that, that those, 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 those uh, organizing uh, of seminars, we also have the peripherals. You know? So I, I own, um, I co-own a shirt company. So we 
you know, we... Oh, yeah, the apparel, merchandise. And then, for example, if we do a knife, sem a knife seminar, I actually make the, the training knives, sell yep. the training knives. Uh, if it's a stick seminar, he seeks to as a supplier, he brings in the sticks. So the, the peripherals, the equipment, we also make money from that. And uh, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, when when all this blows blows over, you know, uh, we can go back to that again because uh, yeah. it's been good. And, and also, I, I think people need it. People, yeah, but people. again, oh, yeah. uh, like, like 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 any other skill, I, I I'm sure you guys will agree. It's um, again, it's a different skill set. Yeah, organizing yeah. events. Yes, organizing seminars, selling equipment. Selling yep. peripherals, it's a different skill set. And, and um, people, people think that it's easy. It, it's, it's Oh, yeah, people it, think it's easy. <laughs> you know, pe people come up to me and they say, they say, you know, oh, wow, you made so much money. Oh, wow, you know, you just you just sat there and you just talked to the guy, you know, you know. No, it's you not. Know, sort of, and I said, you know, you know why I'm making this money? It's because you're not, you know, and not you, because you're not willing to do the things that I've been doing. You know, I when we when we bought in Lee Morrison uh, the first time, I was driving. I, I came from work. Okay, straight from work, I went to the house. I, I because we, we in, in, with, uh, with with his visit, we were planning. so we were planning to have him vacation in Batangas in, in, in yeah. my parents' house in Batangas. And so when after work, I went straight to the house. I brought in these mattresses. I had these water jugs, you know, I had everything, I packed everything. It took me like two days to get, get everything organized. And mm. then the next day, so I was gonna, and then after that, I, I went straight to the airport, which is like mm -hmm. two hours away, two and a half hours away from my house. The airport, because I had to pick them up. And then because tomorrow, the, the next day would be their seminar. And then I had this guy call me, giving me suggestions on how to improve the seminar. That we wow, <laughs> wow. And I was just like, no, no, you know, no. I just said no. Just said no. Wow. And then, and then it, it was funny because he thought, nah, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know you his can... input is important. Yes. <laughs> it's like, he's, you know, I've already thought of that 100 times and it's a no. So anyway. Yeah, yeah um, or in organizing seminars uh, for other instructors, co to coaches to come here. A lot of things wrong can happen. Remember one of the uh, urban combatives guys when he went to Hong Kong and oh. there were a lot of demonstrations there? Yeah. They had to cancel the seminar right then and he had to leave Hong Kong in a few hours yeah. wow. after arriving. Yeah. Yeah. So you can lose a lot. That's why me and Max, when we organize seminars, we have a fallback. In case we don't make money for uh, from this, blah blah mm -hmm. blah, or if there are too few students, like the uh, the illustrisma seminar we organized, right? Mm. We were so scared. We thought we were not going to make money from that. Yeah. Uh, it's not uh, actually. You'll be um, even in with events, Franco. I'm mm. sure you're quite nervous before the event. You're not. Oh sure yeah, super sleepless the, nights. Sleepless <laughs> nights. If the sponsors will. Back out, or if they they won't show up, or they or anything. Yeah, Sometimes because I, they, they'll, I, 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 give, they'll I, give you answers like two days before or a day before. Yeah, remember that's the first uh, Libra seminar we organized. I had to finance all of that. 
Um, I wasn't sure if I would get my money back, so I just took the risk and mm. it worked. I was actually surprised by that because there were a lot of people who came, a lot of people, and it's like, it's like really? I mean, like, you know, they all know about. Come on, batch one, batch yeah, one, batch one. That's us. Batch like, one. I think there were like forty people, forty. 40 plus people who came. No, more than. No, yeah, I think. You know, it's it's crazy because, you know, even our marketing wasn't that great then. We had to, tra- you had, Sixto had to transfer us to the basketball court. <laughs> or that was probably, that was probably, I you know, a, that was, I you know, a, a planned move. Yeah. It was 11.30 in the afternoon. Let's all bring them in the open basketball court. Put them yeah, under yeah, the yeah. sun. <laughs> them do wall work. But yeah, that is, I, I was surprised by that because, you know. Logistics is the most difficult, no? Yes. Oh, yeah. Logistics. Definitely. Remember the it's second Libre seminar? Uh, the flight of Jinro was canceled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was delayed. So we had to make adjustments again. So it's not it's not really that easy. Yes. What, what was your yeah, question? Yeah, okay. All right. So we've been together. Yeah, this is me. And, and I think this is. This is also very important for, for people who are listening here because we've been talking about uh, you know business in, in martial arts or making it in martial arts a business. So if you how how exactly do you get into the teaching circuit? Okay, because like for example, okay, yeah. I know my stuff, you know, I've been training for so many years now. Mm-hmm. I want to make this into a business because I think I can share stuff with, with people and make money out of it. How exactly do I go about it? Anyone? Uh, for me, and I think this goes as well with uh, other martial arts, and I th- really think that it's the blueprint for being a successful businessman in martial arts is uh, you really have to go through the process. Mm. You know? So you have to build credibility. You have to build your credibility, reputation, call it what you want. But uh, for you to be known or get known, you have to put yourself out there. Right. You have to put yourself out there, especially if you want to make this a career you really have to put yourself out there it's very risky but at the end of the day if you're successful it's going to bring you more success because if you're a nobody and you just suddenly decided okay tomorrow i'm going to start teaching classes nobody knows you if you've never if you've never competed if you've never built relationships with your fellow teammates you've never built relationships with other teams if you've never built relationships with brands or with organizers if you've never built any kind of network that will help, that will be your support system, uh, it's going to be a lot harder. It's still doable, but it's going to be a lot harder. Uh, the thing about martial arts is it's a very human thing. It's a very, uh, uh, again, it's a very human thing. Uh, personal relationships uh, matter here. So if you're the asshole in the community, I don't expect to make it a business. <laughs> so, so build rapport, make friends, build a network. And then these are the components. Okay, these are the components that will help you in the future. That's it. Oh, that's, what, that's how I did it. That's how I did okay. it. Uh, for me, learn from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like um, this is typical in a lot of martial arts classes. Um, assist your instructor for free mm-hmm. um, when there's an let's say a seminar or an event volunteer so you know how to do things don't expect to get paid but you you will learn a lot so again for me be an understudy 
be an mm. understudy, be an apprentice. Um, for me, that's one of the best ways to learn the craft. Mm-hmm. And again, because you do that, peop- um, you, you mentioned um, uh, Franco, uh, people will um, people will know who you are. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, uh, it's a good way to market yourself that way. Yeah, well, I agree. Um, and and, and uh, apart from that also is, uh, I, I think when people start, when, when they want to teach, they get too wrapped up in self-promotion. Mm. Like, like, for example, oh, the, the Dax Cordero method of the, who the heck is Dax Cordero? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to, I think there has to be, a, if for you to be successful, at least in the beginning, you have to you have to promote what it is that you're teaching, mm-hmm. and you have to be a good example of it. Like you, Nico Franco, you talked about mm-hmm. uh, you know the deaf community. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I see your pictures, you know, you, you, your posts, and it's it's not the you know of course it's you, mm-hmm. but then it's always oh, wanted. Those are wanted you know. posts. <laughs> wanted. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not it's not oh this is. This is the Franco style of, you know, mm. Franco style. It's not. You, you're, it's about what you teach. Mm. And, and people see that. With Sixto, because Sixto, you, in fact, the way Sixto teaches us, you know, to, because he, he likes us all to teach. Because uh, mm. he, he tells us that, you know, when you teach, you learn. That's where I got it from. And, mm-hmm. and it's true. I've learned a lot of my, you know, my own, you know, my own personal learnings was from teaching. And, and he, he emphasizes not putting your name there. Like, for example, uh, Libre. You know, whenever I would post something, I say, Sixto will teach. No, no, no. Don't write Sixto. You write Libre. You write, mm. you write Carlos Hermanos. You write. Mm-hmm. It's about the system. Because yep. people will be attracted to the system. You know, unless you're really, really a superstar. and be, Like, mm. for example, if you're at the level of, of Sixto and, and, and <laughs> Morrison and, and mm. you know. And, and Scott Bob, you know, when you say Scott Bob, yeah, we'll go. But if you're starting, who the hell are you, right? I mean, like, you know, yep. you, you, you be a good example, or, or be a be a good ambassador for the system that you're teaching, mm-hmm. and and I think that's a good start. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, yeah, this was a very very. I would say informative. I think this is one of our most most informative. Yes, most in, more so informative and insightful. Yes, or it's one of our more serious discussions. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's serious because it's about money. It's about money <laughs> <laughs> because money's money's hard now, and and you know, mm, especially and, now. Yeah. Especially now, you know, mm-hmm. if you have something to teach, teach it, teach it, and 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 bring it out there. And like what what Professor Fra- uh, Franco said. You know, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid. Try it out. It's, there's no harm. The worst thing that can happen is no one will listen to you. Yep. But, you know, that's, it's, but the thing is, if no one listens to you, at least you get in practice, right? You know? mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. Everyone starts at point zero. Point zero. Everyone's a beginner yep. at some point. At some mm-hmm. point. True, yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, uh, for listening. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you again uh, next time so peace and make sure you subscribe to this channel and like this video there are there's a playlist and make sure that you watch and listen to all of them uh, the FMA Bandits channel is interviewing and having conversations with amazing people who are like super impactful in the world of martial arts so 
you get to hear the, you get to hear it from them first. So make sure. And I know it's a lot. So you can listen to it in increments. I know the episodes are more than an hour. So listen to it in increments. I personally love the episodes with uh, Doc Arvin Sese, Slavin, uh, the Triple Marco. Summit. Yeah, yep, the, the Triple Summit episode triple that was with yeah. Scott and Lee Morrison. Yeah. These are amazing episodes. So again, subscribe to this channel and like this video. That's it. Okay. See you next time. Bye-bye, guys. Peace.